everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Jeff. Here, fresh off of his team giving up 11 runs in one inning while leading by 10, is Ugh. my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Dude, that, that hurt. That was a painful game today. I hope nobody watched it but me. I did not, but I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that maybe the Mariners will finally burn those stupid high school batting practice uniforms after this. Maybe fight. this will be the impetus that puts them on that road. I mean, they're they're clearly superstitious because they keep wearing these ridiculous non-professional uniforms. And they're three and seven on this road trip. And to give up 11 runs in one inning, I think it's time. They've got good uniforms. Just f- freaking wear them, please. <laughs> You know, Jeff, I've come to the realization that um, you don't like stupid uniforms. I don't. And I'm triggered by these Mariners uniforms. (laughs) I can see that. It just. I'm so sorry. It looks so bad. All right. I got to get over that one. Let's uh, let's get into our BP here before I launch into a a triad about a triad. No, this is not a triad. triad. (laughs) Or a tirade. A tirade. There we go. Uh, let's get right into our BP, though, here. i uh, got a lot of things to talk about here before we get into the main part of the show. First of all, uh, this cracked me up. The uh, the Devil the devil Rays. Maybe we should just refer to them as the Devil Rays. Like, this is a baseball history podcast. Well, then we'd have to refer to the Hammers and the Guardians. Well, yeah. as, as, as what, the Forest Cities and the... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we can pick and yes. choose. This is our podcast. Okay, you get a good point. Yes. All right. Well, the Rays, they had a Bark at the Park night last week, which I mean, everybody does this. It's great. Well, everybody except for the A's. But they were, this was kind of mean and not really mean, but it's kind of funny mean. They kept playing a doorbell sound over the speakers <laughs> during, during the game. Oh, and, that's funny. Yeah, because that would, as you can guess, if you have dogs, you know what happens when the doorbell rings. Inevitably, there's going to be some barking and some noises being made. So I thought that was hilarious. That is that is good comedy right there. Just like do it. I guess you do it strategically. Like right. <laughs> instead of instead of actually making two strike noise, maybe make like two strike howls and barks. <laughs> Why, why shouldn't dogs have their own podcasts, right? <laughs> well, it could be a little boring if they don't have anything to say. <laughs> Depends on if you speak dog. Uh, no more boring than this one. Let's be honest. Uh, let's, <laughs> all right. So obviously, as I said, we're a baseball history podcast. Some big baseball history happened last week. Obviously, oh, yeah. Albert Pujol, obviously. I'm going to say that 99% of people listening to this podcast know that Albert Pujols hit number 700 for his career. Talking about home runs, of course, last week, which was at both in 699 and 700 in one game in L.A. where he used to play. I mean, it was great. Not that anybody saw it. It was on Apple TV. So not that anybody saw it live, but I mean, the replays were fantastic. It was it was pretty amazing to watch that kind of history go down. You know, a guy with a with a career like Pujols, who's just been nothing but but muscle and and toughness, and and he went out there and he crushed seven hundred home runs in his career, and it's just awesome. Now, Mark, you and I have been around. We've seen somebody else hit seven hundred home runs, but yes. you know what? I just didn't care at that point. It didn't. It just seemed like the numbers didn't count. That's the same thing with me. 
Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, they count. They're in the record book. But in my mind, it's just not as impressive. And that no. is not to say that Albert Pujols might not have dabbled in some chemistry experiments at some point. I don't know. I've never seen anything on paper that he was caught. Yeah, or, he wasn't in the Mitchell report or anything like that. So. Yeah, so, I mean, neither was, was David Ortiz, yet he is stained. He's in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, people still besmirch his name, though he did not appear as a positive result in the Mitchell report either. But We, we are not a, what did you just say? Disdainers? And we're also not a Red Sox history podcast. We just want to keep saying Even though though some people think we are, apparently. We've been described as such. All right. So some interest. Well, this was a really interesting fact for me. So Albert Pujols with 700 career home runs. If you total up that, that is, and let me do the math here again. I went to Washington State. That is uh, for every home run, that is 360 feet. So if you times that times 700, he has ended up running 47 ish miles in home run trots in his career that is amazing that's stamina right there <laughs> over the course of you know a number of years but regardless yes i heard exercise is cumulative so he's he's run you know plenty he might as well be an ultra marathoner at this point 47 ish miles is pretty impressive yeah uh, so we got this sent to us from one of our our listeners lil Mitchie is mm-hmm. uh, what he goes by He sent us this. It says 15 current major league managers have appeared in at least one game as a player with Albert Pujols. That's incredible. That is half of the major league assortment of managers played in a game with Albert Pujols. Wow. So I'm just going to run down these names quickly. Everybody's going to be familiar with these names probably as managers, but I'm guessing most of our listeners probably as players too. You got Scott Service whose uh, team gave up 11 runs in one inning today. Uh, You also got Davey Martinez, A.J. Hinch, both of who have won World Series, Mike Matheny, Phil Nevin, David Bell, Dave Roberts, also won a World Series, Gabe Kapler, Aaron Boone, also won a World Series, Kevin Cash, Alex Cora, also won a World Series, Miguel Cairo, Craig Council, Mark Kotze, and David Ross, also won a World Series. Well, as a player. No, yeah, he didn't win it as a manager. That's what I was going for there. Yes, no, so no letters, okay. Yeah, so I, it's, I mean, for half of the, half of the leadership in Major League Baseball played a game with a guy that is playing right now. Yeah, amazing. Uh, so staying with our Cardinals theme here, and we are not a Cardinals history podcast either, but staying with the Cardinals, Lars Newtbar had a couple of home runs last week. Yeah. Of course he did, yeah. His OPS is now at 807. Very nice. The league average is seven zero eight. I mean, that's great. and typically, yeah. When you're looking at OPS, I mean, it, it you know it's it's a sliding scale, but generally, if you're around eight hundred or especially above eight hundred, like you're in the all star ish category. Absolutely, nine hundred is like all star starter, and anything above nine fifty is MVP types so that's right yes elite elite yeah so he's really really starting to to play well after a year and a half about Uh, his on base is at 346 which is above average and perfectly acceptable and his slugging is at 461 which is above average as well so 
Very nice. He's, Go Lars. Yeah, he is also only 681 career home runs behind teammate Albert Pools. <laughs> so uh, right up there. This is, he's getting yeah, close. He is almost on. half of his age, too. That is, I mean, he's young. So let's. Yeah. So this happened, uh, something else happened here. This is kind of right up our alley, but also it triggered me not as much as the uh, the Mariners uniforms. But so <laughs> Paramount Entertainment this last week has been sending people to stand or sit creepily behind home plate at Major League Baseball games. This is some sort of promotion. There's a, nor- a new horror movie coming out called Smile. I actually just saw yes. a commercial for it. Yes. So it's mainly involving games with New York teams. So the Mets or the Yankees are the only two games I've seen this happen with. And it, it happened on Friday night in Oakland where, where the Mets were. And there was a girl with kind of craziest hair behind home plate in the expensive seats, by the way, which I'll get to that in a minute. And she was wearing a, I call it day glow, but I'm old. But you probably know when I say day glow, you remember Mm -hmm. the the 90s, what that is. It's Mm -hmm. a fluorescent shirt, and it just said smile across it. And she stood in the first row behind home plate and just smiled this kind of weird, creepy smile the entire game. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. So that is creepy. this also happened, I guess, on Friday night as well with the Yankee game, which I I saw a little bit of. I, I figured out how to work around the whole Apple TV debacle. But there was somebody there in the front row there. But unfortunately, at the Yankee game, there are people sitting there. And this, this was a guy there. He was uh, blocking a lot of people's view for the entire game. Oh, so Great. not not cool. But. What made me upset, though, is at A's games, I can't sit in these seats. These seats are not available for sale. You have to be a sponsor and get them, and they, you know, they'll usually hand them out to clients or something like that. But somehow, this person that is there on a promotion got to sit there, and I did not. So, <laughs> I will not be watching this movie. I'm uh, going to say the word again. Uh, I did go to an A's game this week, though. Believe nice. it or not, I went, uh, Jacob deGrom was starting on Saturday, so uh, I went with my wife, and we met one of her friends there. Not the regular Jacob deGrom showed up on Saturday. No. Uh, yeah, he got pounded, and my wife broke her jinx. If she's at a game, the A's are going to lose, period, but they won. Oh, well, good for her. I How was so, pr- I made the funniest baseball joke I think I've ever told in my life there. And I don't think it was appreciated. So I'm going to I'm going to oh, bring it up. Here. Yes. All right. See, so do you remember who Derek Barton is? Yes. I figured you would. I'm just going to recap here. D.A.R.I.C. Barton. Exactly. Yep. Derek Barton. He played, I think it was nine years. They were all with the A's. He was a first baseman, like late 2000s, early 2010s. No power. The guy as a first baseman had no power. Just a couple of home runs a year, but he could get on base. Moneyball. This yeah. he's a, he's a he's one of the like older A's baseball remnants of Moneyball. Yeah, pickups. Uh, led the league in walks one year. You know that was kind of the thing. Is ah, oh, we we like a better first baseman that can maybe hit for some pop. So uh, my wife's friend is talking about uh, one of their friends who's an A's fan, and at one point had a Derek Barton jersey. Uh, in a for their baby and put it on their baby and i said oh that's cute they're teaching it how to walk <laughs> i have good. i only have ever come up with a more clever joke 
than that. Oh, that's good. I mean, I appreciate it. I'm sure that our listeners, at least a couple of them, appreciated it. Especially if you know anything about Derek Barton. I mean, that's just... Yes. I, I, I'm going to stand by that joke till I go to my grave. All right. <laughs> this show is debuting September 27th. My goodness. So on where I look up players that debuted, it shows also players who played their final game on that day. There are 7,242 players that played their final game on September 27th at some point. Wow. I counted. Uh, uh, yes. Might have exaggerated just a little bit there. But I got mm-hmm. a couple of uh, debuts that I did want to talk about. First of all, 1936, a Hall of Famer made his debut, Walter Alston. Oh, nice. Now, this is a strange debut because while Walter Alston is in the Hall of Fame as a manager, Walter Alston played exactly one game as a player in the big leagues. And he didn't, didn't even play that. the whole game. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> he was a late inning substitution. He had one at bat. He struck out. He played first base for two innings defensively and committed an error on one of his two chances. Wow. Good for him. All right. Well, yeah. at least he made a difference. Yeah. Interesting guy, though. Uh, a lot of different opinions on Walter Alston by uh, from some of his players. First of all, I thought it was interesting. He paid his way through college by playing pool. He was a oh, pool wow. shark. <laughs> wow. But in, uh, in baseball, he managed for 23 years, and he signed exactly 23 one-year contracts with the Dodgers. First in Brooklyn, and then he made the move to L.A. with the team. I also want to mention in that one game he played, it should be noted that one of the two strike noise Gabbies, in this case, Gabby Hartnett, was also in that game. I like to. There you go. That one game uh, I wanted to mention that Walter Alston did play, that equals the fewest by any Hall of Fame manager who actually made it to the big leagues. There are four Hall of Fame managers that never played in a single game. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you. We're going to leave that for a trivia question coming up in the near future. As a manager, won four World Series with the Dodgers, seven pennants. He had 2,040 career wins as a manager. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1983. He is also credited with being on the forefront of helping break down some of the barriers that female sports writers obviously came up against. In 1974, after defeating the Astros to clinch the National League pennant, he invited a female reporter into the post-game press conference in the locker room and became the first journalist allowed in any major league locker room. So, while he might have been kind of curmudgeonly, he had some uh, forward-pointing ideas. Yeah, that's great. My uh, second debut today in uh, September of the... Not in September, September 27th, 1969, Jerry Royce made his debut. Member of the 1981 World Series Dodgers, a two-time All-Star. In 1980, he threw a no-hitter in uh, in June, June 27th to be specific. It would have been a perfect game, but for an error by shortstop Bill Russell in the first inning. That was the only batter to reach base. He did not walk a single person. Wow. Just... Just missed it. 220 career wins, yet he never had a 20-win season. Huh. That's pretty consistent. I mean, he, he pitched for 22 seasons, so he had plenty of opportunity to do so. But. Sure. Oh, that's, you know, it's Jerry Rolls-Royce, by the way. Very nice. Also an amateur photographer. 
posts a lot on Facebook uh, pictures he, he took in various stadiums when he was a player. Oh, that's cool. All right. So that's going to do it for uh, debuts. That'll also do it for our BP segment for this week. We're going to let the grounds crew come out, do their stuff. And this week, I am uh, handing it over to you, Mark, to talk about whatever is on your mind, as long as it uh, has to do with the Mariners' uh, uniforms. Okay, yeah, Jeff. I wanted to do a story on an umpire. So I looked up, like, Al Barlick, some of the more famous umpires, and they're all, they all led really boring lives. I'm a boring guy, but I don't like to do boring stories on the show. So I kept looking, and I came across... An umpire, he was the self-proclaimed last of the cussing umpires. The one and only Beans Reardon. You heard of him? Jeff Reardon's uh, father, right? Yeah, I I don't think they're related. I couldn't find anything, which tells me probably not. But he was just this small kid uh, from the Boston area, and he he learned as a a kid never to back down from a fight. And uh, he uh, ended up moving to L.A., and it was around the, the sand lots of Los Angeles that he became kind of a tougher kid and an umpire and so on. His name was John Edward Reardon, and he was born in 1897 in Taunton, Massachusetts. That's not Tauntaun like the uh, creature from Star Wars. It's mm. Taunton. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm going to guess with, uh, with a name like John Edward Reardon and being born in Boston that he was Irish. Yeah, and he liked to fight. Know. And he liked to fight. You got those both right. Very impressive, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> he learned his his honesty. He was known for his brutal honesty. And he was uh, learned that from his mother, who told him, you know, you never tell a lie. And we'll quote from Beans here. He said, I've always been a little thick-headed and quick to tell somebody to go to hell. I got sent home from school one time for calling a nun an SOB. I don't know why I'm like that. Maybe I'm just honest. If you've never sworn at a nun before, you can take solace that Beans did it for you. I just, I love the name Beans. I don't think I'm going to go by Beans Johnston, but it cracks me up. He got the name, by the way, because he was from, he used to tell people he was from Boston because no one's ever heard of Taunton. One time he was playing ball. Somebody said, come on, bake beans. And it caught on and it stuck just like a lot of nicknames. So he became Beans Reardon. He loved baseball, but he couldn't really play he was kind of a tiny guy um so he he actually had another great quote beans has a lot of quotes and i'm going to be telling you those uh he said i had to stand twice in the same spot to make a shadow that's how small he was (laughs) he started playing semi-pro ball when he was 15 and by the time he was 17 he had thrown his arm out and so he decided you know what i like umpiring i've done it on occasion i'm gonna be an umpire And so a lot of his friends in the semi-pro leagues would find him jobs as an umpire. He was making more money as an umpire than he was in his other job as a Boilermaker. He became a Boilermaker's apprentice and umpired games, where in 1918, he umpired the War Service League for $7.50 a game wearing his $11 umpire uniform. So he was really getting into it professionally. So he he quit being a Boilermaker maker is what you're telling me. Exactly. He was no longer a Boilermaker maker. Okay. Yes, he was an umpire. Now, it's kind of interesting. After one game, the uh, it was a pretty rough crowd, and the cops uh, offered to escort him through the back way to you know, fans were still hanging out back then. They would really take it out on the umpire. It was a, a lot of a job that a lot of people quit pretty quickly, especially in semi-pro. 
uh, Reardon said, no way I'm going out the front. And he said, and I quote, I didn't sneak in and I won't sneak out. I came in the front gate and that's the way I'm going out. And if one of those fresh thugs makes a move at me, I'll flatten him. If you want to come with me? All right. But I don't need you. That's what Reardon told his, his guards. He, he actually met Yankee scout Bob Connery when he was umpiring and Connery recommended him to the PCL and they hired him in 1922. And uh, William McCarthy, who was the PCL president said, and I quote, now I'm going to tell you something beans. We want umpires in this league. We don't want fighters. Ridden had to control himself, but he did get into a fist fight in San Francisco with uh, a player named Patty Siglin. So Patty, there's a lot of Irish names in yes. this. There's a lot. So we, had, we had an Irish fight. He he, uh, he got in a fight with him, and and there was there were pictures in the newspaper of the umpire and the player fighting. He got in a fight with the manager of Sacramento, Charlie Pick. He threw a player out, and Charlie came running out in the dugout. Reardon said he threw a punch at me, but I was ready for him, and we tangled. It was a better fight than many a one I've paid money to see since. We both got in some pretty good licks. Yes, I have a reputation as a fighter, but I really wasn't a fighter. I had some fights, but I didn't enjoy them. They just couldn't be avoided. They happen. <laughs> they do happen. In Portland, sometimes fans would, uh, they would buy these 25-cent uh, seat cushions, and then uh, they would throw them back. They would throw them at Reardon because, uh, you know, that's that's what fans in Portland like to do back then. Oh, still do. They still yeah, do. They, yeah. do they? yeah, that doesn't that doesn't shock me. Portland's a weird place and no one, no one in Portland would be upset by They like to keep it that way out here. Yeah, they, they, they do. So he, he, they asked him, they asked Beans if he ever threw the cushions back and he said, uh, no, nah, those fans up there wouldn't throw a cushion they paid a nickel for until they had gotten their money's worth out of it. Didn't you tell a story about an umpire that, I think it was an umpire a couple of weeks ago that would sell books and then they fans are throwing at him, and then he'd pick them yes. up and go sell them again. Why didn't he pick up the, the seat cushions and go resell them? Mm, that's good thinking. Maybe they were flattened by then. The, the they umpires needed a, they, they needed a like a Facebook group where they could share these ideas. By by 1926, he was uh, in the National League, and uh, he was uh, there was a game on August 15, 1926, Brooklyn. They loaded the bases, uh, and uh, Babe Herman, who we discussed on a couple occasions, hit a fly ball off the fence in right field. A run scored, but then somehow, some way, Dazzy Vance, Chick Fuster, and Babe Herman all ended up standing on third base. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that one. They're having a meeting. So Reardon yelled, wait a minute, I've got to figure this out. And he ended up awarding the base to Vance and called Fuster and Herman out. He said, that's it. The side's out. Let's play ball, fellas. And Herman doubled into a double play. So that was it. That was an interesting, he's got a lot of cool stories like that. So Reardon had, he got hired by Bill Clem in the National League. And Clem said, everybody gets, you know, all the umpires wear a chest protector under their jacket. Reardon, mm -mm, no, no. He liked the American League one. He's going to use that one. He, so he did his own thing. The balloon protector? Yeah, the one that's outside, you know, that you hold mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, and he said he promised his mother he'd never get hurt or suffer an injury. Uh, so he he make sure, made sure he always had that, along with he had a, a trademark blue and white polka dot bow tie, and he always wore that his entire career. Regardless of what the uh, dress code was for umpires, 
he would always wear that blue and white polka dot tie. And if if he pushed a, a flower on his lapel, it would spin and squirt water. It would. It hear. was amazing. Yeah. Good old beans. 1927, he actually got a, uh, a cameo in the MGM film Slide Kelly Slide, along with Bob Musil and Tony Lezzery. Wow. So... That was that was kind of cool. He he enjoyed the movies. He ended up being in a handful of them. Um, he always played the umpire. Oddly enough, he was typecast. He was typecast as an umpire, just like you were typecast as the homeless person. Yeah, it, exactly. Very. And but he really was an umpire. I've never actually been homeless. I don't remember. <laughs> I think. In twenty nine, nineteen twenty nine, he had a appendicitis. And he was under anesthesia, but it was that spinal anesthesia they used to do. So he could watch himself get the surgery and have it removed. And I I love this quote so much, I had to share it. He said, uh, Doc, you better take a good look around in there. And if you see anything else I don't need, take it out too. (laughs) Now, first of all, is this, are they like, okay, we can give you this anesthesia so you can watch us perform surgery on you. Or we can just knock you out completely. Because who is choosing to watch this? I wouldn't have. That's no. just me personally. Yeah, I just watched a movie over this over the weekend called Nope, and that's uh, that's what I'm going to go with. No, nope, <laughs> not going to do it. Uh, yes, he he uh, joined up with uh, a group of major leaguers on one of those Japanese tours in 1931. Another great quote: He said, "No Japanese player ever talks back. None ever disputes a decision, and not even the spectators razz the umpire." He really enjoyed that there, but he lost ten pounds during the course of the tour because he couldn't stomach all the fish. He got his first World Series assignment in 1934. Uh, The newspapers called him a man with the poise of a Supreme Court judge. He will jerk his thumb with the austere finality of Nero. Very poetic for for a guy like named Beans. Um, (laughs) he, He said before the World Series, he was very anxious. He said, I don't say I never called a wrong one. Maybe plenty of them wrong, but I'd hate to be call one in the series when so much is riding on every pitch and every slide. The night for the game always gives me the jitters. Well, he happened to be umpiring first on base on game seven, and Ducky Medwick did the hard slide into Marv Owen at third, and there was a big old brawl during the World Series, and uh, Ducky Medwick got tossed from the game by Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the commissioner. Ended up being a pretty famous game that uh, Reardon happened to be a part of. Ford Frick once said of of Reardon, he was a uh, he had a reputation for dropping a few swear words on occasion. Player once asked Ford Frick, "Mr. Frick, a ball player gets fined fifty dollars for swearing at an umpire, right?" And he said yes. And the player said, "Well, Reardon had sworn at him." Well, Frick remarked. Don't be mad. Consider it a compliment. That's like having anyone else say hello to you. <laughs> he was very well known for that. Um, he, he actually really liked conflicts like that. He said, I never liked to toss him out of the game. If I had, there wouldn't have been anybody left to cuss at. If a player swore at me, I'd swear back at him. It was either that or chase him out of the game. And if I did that, I had to make out a report and I'd rather leave him in than do the paperwork. Man, it could have been legendary if he would have ever umpired a game with Earl Weaver. They oh might still God. they might still be out there arguing. Yes. <laughs> this is true. That's a great point. Reardon was actually behind the plate for Babe Ruth's um, last few games um, when he was with the Boston Braves. He hit his final three home runs in a game in Pittsburgh, 
and uh, the Reardon was was uh, umpiring, and he actually tossed Babe Ruth out of a game in 1938 when the Babe was coaching for Brooklyn. So that's kind of interesting. He used to love to go to Santa Anita, the racetrack with his friend Al Jolson. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, he said, I love to bet on what the photo will show in a photo finish horse race. I'll give any odds to any takers, but I won't get many takers. People know I spent a lot of years calling quick decisions on fast actions. I can pick the winner by a whisker using his umpire's talents to pick the, uh, the winner of a, of a post I'm race. not a seasoned horse better, but don't you generally, don't they prefer that you bet on the winner before the race starts? Not right. <laughs> so. I, I believe he would bet with other spectators on what the uh, photo finish would show. But yes, they do prefer that. I, when it when it comes down to a photo finish, it's either race horse one or race horse five. And apparently, Beans always got it right. You may have seen a caricature of Beans. Do you? You're familiar with the Norman Rockwell painting on the Saturday Evening Post of the three umpires. Yes, I am. Uh, famously called uh, "Tough Call," game called because of rain. Yeah. Um, well, Beans was one of those three umpires. Lauren Applebaum wrote, Rockwell pays tribute to baseball's uncelebrated heroes, the umpires, who dwarfed the ball players during the game. So he was he's the guy standing in the center holding his chest protector and his mask and holding the other palm up catching raindrops. Ah, and he's holding the chest the chest protector on the outside. Yes, exactly. I, I cannot see the, the bow tie looks like a normal bow tie though. Hmm. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Get me Norman well, Rockwell on the phone. <laughs> So uh, Reardon also sponsored a youth baseball team in the Long Beach Police League, and they were called the Little Beans. I had to include that because who wouldn't want to play for the Little Beans? He had a Budweiser distributorship that he bought in 1967. He sold it for around a million dollars to the one and only Frank Sinatra. But Budweiser loved him so much, they kept sending him around the country and to promote their wonderful beer. Eh, let's, let's not go that far. <laughs> I I'm a fan. What can I say? I'm no beer snob, my friend. <laughs> I don't drink beer. So <laughs> uh, Reardon passed away in July 31st, 1984 at the age of 86. Um, he had a couple of strokes. He has not been inducted into the baseball hall of fame. There is a part of him there. He said, uh, I love my little blue and white polka dot bow tie. And uh, that tie is more famous than I am. It's in the Hall of Fame. Beans Reardon, ladies and gentlemen, my all-time favorite umpire. I found some cool things here about Mr. Uh, I'm just calling Beans. We're, we're friends now. Yeah. He was friends with Mae West. Yes. And she would send him a copy of a, uh, a nude photograph, is what it says, every yes. Christmas. Which, uh, does that mean a calendar? Or just, she would randomly take a picture uh, with Sans clothing and send it to him. I don't know, but uh, what can I say? He's uh, Beans. Beans got along with everyone, including a naked Mae West. He was in a handful of movies. Uh, the Kid from Left Field, Interns Can't Make Money, and Klondike Annie, I believe, were three of them. What about Cannonball Run? Was he in that one? I don't think so. Nope. He should have been, darn it. <laughs> he was also on one uh, episode of the Jack Benny TV show. What about Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Well, I knew you would ask that, so I looked it up, and I even called the producers of the show. Oh. No Beans Reardon. Nah. Nobody named Beans was ever on the show. Do you believe that? No, but again, of course, I've brought it up. I've brought it up. They, they named a character in Even Stevens after Beans here. 
<laughs> they may have. They may have. Possibly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put it on the internet as fact. But yeah, I think it happened. Well, you can't put anything that's not a fact on the internet. I, exactly. That's why I'm holding off. That's right. All right. So you know we've done a couple of good episodes on umpires. We did the the Ron Luciano episode, right. and now we've got Beans. I was gonna do a Phil Clem or a Bill Clem episode yes. at some point. My gosh, that guy is did not get along with Beans very well. They were they were not best friends. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Beans yeah. Reardon. Not Jeff Reardon's grandfather. No. All right. Mark, uh, let's head into the final segment of the show, shall we? Uh, I'm, I'm up for it. All right. So uh, it is time for everybody's uh, 1v1 wax and cardboard-based uh, gladiatorial exhibition. It's just an exhibition. But yeah. uh, it's time for Wax Packs here. Wax Pack Hero! Please, folks, no wagering. Yeah. <laughs> we we neither condone nor prohibit wagering on Wax Facts Heroes. There you go. You do what you want. All right. So uh, looking at the scoreboard, Mark, I have somehow uh, crept in front. I am up nine to seven. As uh, we head into, we're almost at the at the halfway point of the season here. We are going to today. We're going to be opening a couple of packs of 1990 Donruss. We're going to go Ooh, old school. Nice. We're going to go to actual wax packs here for uh, this week. If you are new and wondering how we do this, I'm going to tell you. We're going to take the uh, Baseball Reference War of the Year of the Cards, as I said, from 1990. We're going to add those up, but we got a couple of qualifiers that can either add or subtract to that score. If there is anything on the player's face, that means glasses of any sort, flip downs, eye black, uh, anything like if they've got a tear tattoo by the side of their eye, you know, they might have been to prison. It counts. If they have got uh, a mustache, that also counts. All of this is worth an extra tenth of a point of war. If, though, they've got a great mustache, we're talking uh, Wade Boggs, uh, Magnum P.I., Keith Hernandez, that kind of stuff. We, we can award a bonus tenth of a point as well. If they're wearing real stirrups that we can see, see some white or gold sanitaries under them, that is an extra tenth as well. But if they're wearing the two-in-ones, we're going to minus tenth because we like real stirrups. If they're swear, wearing sweatbands with their caricature or jersey number, you get an extra tenth of a point for each of those. Any of their final three seasons played for the Seattle Mariners, who gave up 11 runs in an inning. Uh, today, Drop it, man. <laughs> you're going to get a tenth of a point addition for each of those. If they have two flaps or no flaps on a batting helmet, hey, that's good. That's a tenth of a point. If they're batting without batting gloves, that's a tenth of a point as well. Any awards that season, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, or won a gold glove, that's a whole half a point award for each of those. If there's a Hall of Famer in the picture, whether it is the person we are talking about or not, you get a whole extra point for that. If Nolan Ryan shows up in either of these packs, Mark is good. He could. Yes, this is 1990. Uh, Mark's going to get a five point addition, which is a big one. If Ricky Henderson, uh, I get the five where each can also pick a team. And uh, if that team shows up, if my team shows up in my pack, I get an extra half a point. If they show up in Mark's pack, he is going to minus a half a point. So, Mark, what uh, what's your team this week? I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals. All right. I think I am going to go with a team 
that is known for having given up 11 runs in one single inning with a 10-run lead yeah. earlier today. Yeah, so you're going with uh, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> no, I oh. am going to go with your Seattle Mariners. You know My what, that also, that also is a good way to hedge your bet that you might get a final three season in Seattle. <laughs> I think I just hacked this game. All right, Mark, I got uh, two packs here. One on my left, one on my right. Which one would you like? Going right. Going right. All right, I'm going to have you go first. There are 16 cards in this pack, so we're each going to lose six. Would you like to lose the top six or the bottom six or a random six in the middle? Let's lose the top six. Top six. All right. So you are going to lose pitcher for the Giants, Greg Litton, Hall of Famer, Andre Dawson. Ouch. Derek Lilliquist. Ooh, Rob Deere. Good mustache. Terry Leach with the Royals and Hall of Famer Carlton Fisk. I only gave him two Hall of Famers. Only two Hall of Famers there. Yeah, that's a decision right there. That's something that happens like when you give up 11 runs in an inning or something. Something like that. All right. So your first card is a should be Hall of Famer. It's a Diamond Kings. It's Lou Whitaker. Sweet Lou. One of my all time favorite great left handed hitting second baseman for the Detroit Tigers. Gotta love him. Well, the Hall of Fame voters didn't love him much, which is kind of ridiculous, but you are 100% on with all that. Let's see. Sweet Lou, 19 years. I'm not going to tell you what teams he played for because you know he only played for one, the Detroit Tigers. Let's see. uh, What year did I say we're doing? (laughs) In 1990. Uh, 19 years in the big leagues. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Lou Whitaker in 1990 at age 33, 132 games a 338 on base, a 407 slugging, 18 home runs. That's pretty good. He had double digit home runs for, wow, that's like 15 years in a row, or maybe not that long, 10 years in a row. 60 RBI, eight stolen bases, and an OPS plus of 107. No awards that year. And all of that will equal a 3.8. There you go, Lou. Which is good. Uh, because this is a Diamond Kings, we're always going to give you the stirrup bonus. Uh, no mustache on this. Uh, this is really not a good painting. I'm not, I'm just going to tell you. It's, <laughs> it's really oh, not. Not the best Diamond King. No, it's, it's really not. But you're starting out at 3.9, which is a huge uh, step up from last week, where you did not so much uh, do that. No. Uh, now, I, uh, without having you look it up, I do know that Lou Whitaker did star uh, along with his uh, double play partner, Alan Trammell, in an episode of uh, Magnum P.I. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that before. We've talked about his uh, his Wish.com uh, all-star jersey <laughs> when he was an all-star and had right. to... Uh, had to just go buy a, a jersey and draw the number on the back. So we've covered <laughs> Lou enough. He deserves a whole show, but we're going to move on uh, with a 3.9 for you. Uh, next, we've got a guy I am not familiar with. He is an Atlanta hammer here. He is a pitcher. His name is Gary Eve, E-A-V-E. Boy, you got me on that one, too. I don't know. I don't think we've ever had him before because I've never heard of him. Appeared for three years in the big leagues. Oh, uh, good news for you. First two years were in Atlanta. Final year, he was a Mariner in 1990. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Eight games with a, all oh, very nice, a 4.20 ERA. Ooh. I think that next next year, that's going to be a bonus point for you there. Yeah, really? But uh, he went 0-3 and three this year. Uh, he did 
Let's see, started five of his eight games, 30 innings, 27 hits, 16 strikeouts, a 94 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of exactly 0.0. He is the perfect (laughs) replacement player. He is is a mariner. No wins above replacement. He's just the replacement. Yes. Well, you know, so he's a, he's a, a mariner in his final one of his final seasons. So you get a tenth of a point there and he's got a beard and a mustache. So he is going to get you two tenths of a point. All right. There you go. Whatever your name was. Oh, he was traded to the Mariners for Jim Presley. Oh, wow. And then the wow. Mariners turned around and traded him to the Giants for Russ Swan. Oh, wow. A couple of names I remember there. So you uh, you had two Hall of Famers that you lost. Uh, but good news for you. You got another one. Oh, good. Uh, he is a Mariner, but he did not finish with the Mariners. <laughs> Randy Johnson? That's right, Randy Johnson. He's got a really good mustache going on right here, too. He, he always did. Actually, it looks like he's got some chaw in his uh, in his mouth, too. This is clearly taken at Yankee Stadium, too. So it's a, it's a pretty nice backdrop there. Uh, let's see. Randall David Johnson, 22 years in the big leagues. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame, five-time Cy Young Award winner, pitching triple crown winner, 10-time All-Star, won a World Series in 2001 with the Diamondbacks, and uh, was a World Series MVP in, uh, let's see, 1990. Good news for you, All-Star. Beautiful. I'm guessing he was the Mariners' lone representative that year. So. I don't know if uh, Junior was an all-star at that point. Let's see, 14 and 11 with a 3.65 ERA, 219 innings pitched. He was still uh, kind of wild at this point, led the league in walks as he did for the next three years. He struck out 194, a 108 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 2.2. He is a Hall of Famer, so that's 3.2. An all-star is 3.7. And Ooh. I'm going to give you two-tenths of a point for the mustache. That'll be beautiful. Eight. Plus 3.9. There you go, RJ. That is, uh, that's a pretty big haul right there. It's better that's a bigger number than zero. It definitely is. Uh, so just some of these names that he's been traded for. Of course, he was traded for Mark Langston coming over from the Expos. But when the Mariners traded him to the Astros in 1998, uh, Freddie Garcia, Carlos Guillen, uh, he also came along with John Halama. Yes. who we have mentioned before. And there have been some grumblings on Twitter asking uh, if there are pictures of you in your <laughs> your special <laughs> boxers. Yes, there are none, but uh, I still have them, goodness. and I can take a picture if anybody uh, No, 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 I, I think we're good. Uh, I was warning people not to, you know, <laughs> you might get what you asked for, so maybe hold yes, on. be very careful. I'm a literal person. All right, so you are at eight even. Now, uh, I'm a little upset at this card. I'm going to hork this card after and put this aside because I'm going to get it signed in a little bit. Uh, It is my favorite pitcher of all time, Oakland Athletics. Retired jersey number, the second number 34 to be retired by the A's, Dave Stewart. Stu, the man with the stare. So he is, uh, he's in the Oakland A's Hall of Fame. The A's just announced their A's Hall of Fame class for next year. And uh, included in it is my favorite catcher and my favorite third baseman of all time for next oh, year. Nice. So I'm excited to get to see them at Fantasy Camp as well. I, I might get kicked out of Fantasy Camp. I am currently collecting as much 
stuff to get signed as I possibly can. So I think these people are going to be tired of me. Well, you know, all of us are. So it's not a big deal. Uh, we're just, they're just normal people. They're just like us. They're tired right. of me. Uh, let's see. Stu's won three World Series. He was an all-star. He was a World Series MVP. And in uh, 1990, we know he was with the A's. Boy, he had a good year. 22 and 11. This was his fourth consecutive 20-win season. Wow. That is very impressive. Led the league in games started third time in four years he did that also led the league in complete games and shutouts with 11 and four led the league in innings with 267 and a 144 era plus he came in third in the cy young voting and eighth in mvp voting so i think this is going to be good for you uh, all of this together will equal a 5.2 Wow. Thank you, Stu. He right there is worth more than Hall of Famer Randy Johnson. <laughs> wow. uh, let's see. Of course, Stu had a mustache because he's awesome. Uh, and here, surprisingly enough, he has got real stirrups, which uh, is an odd thing. So that will be a 5.4 for you. Very nice. All right. So you are at 13.4. Next, you've got pitcher for the Cubs, Les Lancaster. I oh, wait, Lancaster. you know what? I chose the Mariners, and uh, Randy Johnson with the, was with the Mariners Ooh. in that card. So no, I got to remember go. to minus half a point for you there. Uh, let's see. Les Lancaster, Chicago Cubs. Uh, Les Lancaster, seven years in the big leagues, most of us with Chicago, five years. In 1990 with the Cubs, he went 9-5 and five with a 4.62 ERA, 109 innings pitched, an 89 ERA plus and that will equal a war of 0.9. Uh, no mustache, but he does have some real stirrups. So that will be an even one for you. Wes Lancaster uh, committed only one error in 139 total chances in his career. Pretty good, I think. 993 fielding percentage. All right. Uh, let's see. You are at 13.9. Next, you have got a expo. He is listed as a pinch hitter. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, I mean, right off the bat here, he's got eye black, he's got a mustache, he's got double ear flaps, and he is wearing no batting gloves. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. It's Wallace Johnson. Wallace Johnson? I don't think I remember that guy. This card is incredible, because he's he's on the Expo, so he's got that pinwheel double ear flap helmet, which is just yes. spectacular. But let's say nine years in the big leagues. And uh, he is listed as a, yeah, he's a pinch hitter. Uh, he played a couple of times at second base and first base, but he played his entire career in the National League, and his primary position is listed as H, which is not designated hitter. So uh, his high in at-bats in a season was 86 in 1988 in 107 games. Oh, wow. He hit 309 that year, though, it should be oh, noted. Man. I might have got him a couple more at-bats if I was coaching. Yeah, 387 on base. 1990 was his final year. He appeared in 47 games, had 49 at-bats. Oh, but he my. only hit 163 in a 281 on base for a 49 OPS plus. Still good for a .1 war, but now he's going he's gonna to show his worth. So let's see. Eye black, mustache, double ear flaps, no batting gloves. That's four-tenths of a point you get from that. So he's actually worth half a point total. Way to go. That's great. I needed a pinch hitter. I'm going to put that card aside too. That is a spectacular card. Very cool. 
Oh, boy. May 2nd, 1988, broke up a perfect game bid by Ron Robinson of the Cincinnati Reds, singling with two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning. Oh, 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 boy. I want to let's see. Hawk Harrelson gave him a nickname, Waven Wally. Okay. I don't know why. He is credited as being a coach for both Frank Thomas and Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, those are two pretty decent hitters. Yeah. He's an interesting, uh, interesting guy. All right. You're at 14.4. Your next card is from Atlanta. John Russell, catcher. John Russell. Yeah, that one's not naming, uh, and that one's not ringing a bell for me either. The first Earl of Bedford? <laughs> yes, that John Russell. <laughs> uh, let's see. John Russell played for a decade in the big leagues. Uh, wow. Five years with Philly, four with Texas, and one with Atlanta. 1990, he was actually in Texas, 68 games. Uh, not only a catcher, also was a pinch hitter, a DH, a left fielder, a first baseman, and a third baseman. So have glove will travel. I guess. Let's see. Two home runs, eight RBI. He did have stolen base and was not caught that year. All of this equals a 92 OPS plus, which is good for you because in 91, he had a minus 29 OPS plus. Ouch. He was 129% below the average that year. Ouch. Uh, let's see. In 1990, that will equal a minus 0.7 war. Ouch. And there's nothing on this card that's going to help you. Uh, thanks for that help. Well, let's look John. at let's just run through his career war, shall we? He played yeah. for 10 years. First year, 0.1. Then minus 0.5, minus 0.1, minus 0.9, minus 0.1, minus 0.5, minus 0.7, minus 0.4, minus 0.2. And then just as he did his rookie year, his final year, a positive 0.1. <laughs> In 10 wow. years, he had a minus 3.2 war. <laughs> Uh, you know what? He was a first-round draft pick by the Phillies, too. Wow. All I can say is wow. Yeah, those are two very unique cards that we have not pulled before. Wallace Johnson and John Russell. Yes, John Russell, not the equestrian bronze medal-winning equestrian rider dude person. Is that That's the right name, right? Uh, one, uh, John Russell won a bronze medal in the Olympics, so but it's not him. So I just wanted to point that out. Well, here is a very interesting fact about John Russell. A couple of weeks ago when we had the uh, Chihuahuas play-by-play voice, Tim Haggerty, on with us, he was talking about some stories from his upcoming book, Tales from the Dugout, wonder where I got that title. And uh, he mentioned a incident in Portland that did not involve throwing seat cushions where uh, Lee Ilya got tossed and... Uh, he, he got tossed, first of all, this is an interesting note I don't believe was brought up. He was tossed by Pam Postma, the umpire, the, the oh, I think I the first her. female umpire, yeah. Yes. And so Ilya tossed the chair onto the, onto the field, and the umpire told the Bat Boy to come out and pick it up, and he wouldn't do it, so he ejected the Bat Boy. John <laughs> Russell was in that game. No kidding. And he was in the outfield, and he ran in to defend the Bat Boy and got ejected himself. <laughs> wow. How about that? It all that? comes around. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, he also caught Nolan Ryan's sixth no-hitter. Oh, my goodness. Wait, this is an incredible pack. I feel like we could do a whole show just on this pack. No kidding. All right, so you are at 13.7. Next, you've got an Oriole. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. We got to give bonus points next year if they were actually in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch because you've got Brady Anderson. Hey, there you go. Best sideburns in the game. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Brady Anderson. Uh, I am halfway through recording a uh, making a video about Sabrina the Teenage Witch in Major League Baseball. So I don't want to give too many stats away here and, and facts. But in 1990, Brady Anderson only appeared in 89 games. He hit 231, 23 home runs, 24 RBIs. He had 15 stolen bases and was only caught twice. Uh, wow, Brady had did a really good job of walking and striking out just about even. In his career, 960 walks, 1,190 strikeouts. Yeah. For, uh, for our, somebody that swung hard, that's pretty good. Only a 327 on base, an 82 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a .4 war, and there is nothing on this card. He doesn't even have sideburns on this card. What? Yeah. Weird. He's a baby face here. Not in the wrestling terms, but, I mean, he is actually, he has a baby face. Gotcha. Uh, the only fact we're going to mention that is not a playing fact is that, yes, he did appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch in an episode called uh, Through the Looking Glass. That's all I'm going to tell you. All right. So you're at 14.1. Uh, next, you have got a guy that uh, is a good card player and uh, elected to do so during the NLCS with Ricky Henderson. It is Pittsburgh Pirate Bobby Bonilla. Oh, Bobby. All around good ball player. Good hitter. Big, scary guy. You know, he had some speed. I really liked Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, me too. Uh, let's see. 16 years in the big leagues he played for a lot of different teams. Pittsburgh, though, who uh, we probably know him best. He came up with the White Sox. I think we've mentioned that before, before being traded to the Pirates. Uh, six years with the Bucks and five with the Mets. Those are the teams he played the most with. In 1990, he is an all-star. 160 games, 322 on base, 518 slugging, 32 home runs, 120 RBI. Led the league with 15 sacrifice flies and a 132 OPS+. plus. Came in second in MVP voting this year. Wow. So that'll probably help you out. I'll take that. 4.0 war. Uh, he does have a mustache... Uh, but he does have two and ones as well. So uh, that's going to cancel that out, but you'll get the all-star. So that'll be a plus 4.5. I'll take that every day. All right. We've talked about Bobby Bonilla quite a bit. So he did not appear in Sabrina Teenage Witch. Uh, next, we've got a, another Tiger. It is a guy with one of my favorite names in baseball, Chet Lemon. Chet Bitter Lemon. Very nice. Chet is short for Charles, right? We'll find out here. No, it's short, short for Chester. Ah. Chester Earl Lemon. Uh, now, this, I think, I think uh, Chet is a very underrated player. I think uh, Baseball Beyond Batting Average did a uh, podcast about underrated players of the 80s, and I think Chet was mentioned and, and shown his light upon me he was actually a pretty good player he played for 16 years only two teams nine with the tigers seven with the white Sox. 1990 was his final year at age 35 still appeared in 104 games 359 on base that's pretty good for an old guy a 379 slugging five home runs 32 rbi and that is good for still a 107 ops plus and all of that will equal a war of 2.4 you need to go Chet Lemon. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, he does have a mustache, and he's got real stirrups here as well. So that'll be a plus. He's the man. 2.6 for you. Uh, won a World Series in 84 with the Tigers. 
Had a pretty good World Series. Hit 294, 368 on base. RBI, a couple of stolen bases. First, oh, first round overall draft pick by the A's in 1972. And he was traded by the A's with Dave Hamilton to the White Sox for Stan Bossen and Skip Pitlock. <laughs> oh, Skip Pitlock. Sure. Who played for three years in the big leagues and really did not do much. But he's got a great name. He does. Okay, this I have never heard and I love it. Uh, you know, sometimes we mix professional wrestling. You and I, I think, can both say we've been fans at some point. More yes. than we probably are now. But Kevin Nash, Big Sexy, right? Yes. Part of the NWO tag team partners with uh, Razor Ramon. Chet Lemon is a pseudonym that Ch- that Kevin Nash has used before in the ring. <laughs> I love Chet it. Lemon. Kevin Chet- Nash. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I love it. All right. So that was your pack. That is good for a 21.2. Very nice. Very nice. I'm happy with that. But uh, you've been scary lately. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to lose my bottom card since you lost two Hall of Famers. The top. All right. So the bottom one, two, three, four, five, six. One of them is a checklist. So that's a good move right off the bat. Uh, Let's see. First of all, we've got Rick Aguilera, uh, Oral Hershiser. Those two might hurt. I got a checklist. I got a Diamond King, Kelly Gruber, Kurt McCaskill, and Steve Sachs, who has likewise been on an episode of Sabrina the DH Witch. Weird. These are some good packs. I am not going to lie. These are these might be my favorite two packs we've ever pulled so far. Um, all right, so I'm going to start out. My first guy is a pitcher for the Royals. It is Larry McWilliams. Why do I not remember Larry McWilliams? I am not remembering him either, which is, uh, let's see, Larry McWilliams played for 13 years in the big leagues. Most of it was in the late 70s and early 80s. Well, he played the whole decade of the 80s, but 1990 was his final year where he appeared 13 games with no record and an ERA of (laughs) 9.72 and an ERA plus of 41. So that is good for a war of minus 0.4. Uh, He does have a mustache, so that'll only be a minus 0.3, but that's not a good way to start out. Uh, Let's see. Larry McWilliams did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, I don't remember him doing so. Well, he was traded for Pascual Perez at one point and was a first-round pick by Atlanta in 1974. Okay. All right, so a couple of things here about our our buddy uh, Larry McWilliams. He was nicknamed Spaghetti. Tony (laughs) Pena gave him that nickname. And he said, quote, that's what I call him. Take a look at his legs. They look like spaghetti, real thin. So, there you go. Uh, He also has 19 grandkids, so. Wow. All right, so I'm at minus point three. Next, I've got Joe Bover, pitcher for the uh, Atlanta squad. I believe it's Baver. Baver, I never say it right. I see it maybe as Baver, but then I think of Justin Beaver and Beaver, (laughs) not Beaver. And I just don't do it. 12 years in the big leagues. A lot of different stops on uh, on that. He's got a lot of different stickers on his luggage when that used to be a yes. thing. 1990 split team split time between Atlanta and Philadelphia. Three and six with a 3.36 ERA in 67 games. 88 innings pitched, 14 saves, and a 117 ERA plus. And all of that equals a 1.2 war. He's got a mustache too, so that'll be a plus 1.3. All right, next I've got a guy with the Yankees. I remember this guy. He just seemed like the consummate 
mid-80s reliever for the Yankees, Lee Guterman. Oh, yeah, Guterman. He wasn't bad. I think he was a Mariner for a while. Well, let's hope it was at the end of his career. <laughs> <laughs> no, he came up with, oh, he came up with and ended his career with the Mariners. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so... Uh, fourth round pick by the Mariners made his debut in 84. 1990, he went 11 and 7 out of the bullpen with a 3.39 ERA, a couple of saves, 93 innings pitched, a 117 ERA plus, and that equals a 1.4 war. His final two seasons were in Seattle, and he's got a mustache, so that'll be a positive 1.7. Very nice. All right, next, uh, let's see, so I'm at 2.7. I'm going nowhere fast. Next, we have got a uh, pitcher for the Phillies, now a employee of the Boris Corporation. It's Don Carmen. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's with Boris now. I think he's the sports psychologist or something like that. Oh, nice. Donald Wayne Carmen, 10 years in the big leagues, eight with the Phillies. 1990 was his final year with Philadelphia. Coming off the season where he led the league in losses with 15. In 1990, a 419 ERA, 86 innings pitch, 58 strikeouts, and a 92 ERA plus. That is good for a minus 0.3 war. He does have a mustache here, so that'll only be a minus 2. Thanks a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very nice. I think he also, didn't he sing All By Myself? Is that? <laughs> yes. Yes, that was him for sure. Don Carmen. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty sure that's correct. So we will not look that up. Right. It's all good. It wasn't Eric Carmen. Uh, one of the good things he did, uh, tired of repetitive questions from reporters after a game, he posted a handwritten note of 37 standard responses on his locker, invited reporters to take their pick. <laughs> Things like, I'd rather be lucky than good. We're going to take the season one game at a time. Yes. <laughs> they were eventually published in many stories. <laughs> I need to stay within myself. <laughs> I need to play my game. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Next. Uh, all right. So next year, this guy might be worth points because he is on our do not talk about list. So we will quick, quickly look up Luis Polonia. Luis Polonia. Uh, let's see, Luis Polonia, a war of 1.3, and he's got mustache. That's plus 1.4, and that will take me to 3.9. All right, next we've got pitcher for the Red Scott Scudder. Isn't that the name of the uh, seagull on The Little Mermaid, Scott Scudder? No, that's Seba- Sebastian? Is oh, that wait, it? no, it's Scuttle. Scuttle, Sorry. yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I know people are up in arms about the stupidest thing about the Lost Mermaid I've ever heard in my life. But Ugh, yeah. we're going to put that on the do not talk about list either. Uh, Scott Scatter, good news for me. He was on the 1990 World Series team. Bad news for me is that they uh, swept the A's in that year. Uh, 1990, though, five years in the big leagues overall, all of it with the Reds. 1995 and five mark 4.90 ERA. Started a handful of games, ended up with an 82 ERA plus and a war of 0.1. And there is nothing on this card that is going to help me out. Wow. I got some interesting players, but nobody that did a darn thing. No. No. Scott Scudder, uh, one of the coaches of Team Sweden baseball team. You know, myself coming from Scandinavian descent, Scudder really screams Scandinavian to me. Does it? No, if it was Scudder's son, then yes, but no. Yes. First round draft pick in 1986 for the Reds and Scott Scudder. All right. Uh, this one might be my first uh, good point getter. Here he is with the Blue Jays outfielder Jorge Bell. 
George Bell. Remember when uh, his his cards used to George with a J? Yes, I do remember. I remember him either being angry or hitting home runs. Do, do you think they spelled it with a J because he, it, they're like, oh, well, he plays for a Canadian team. Maybe that's how they spell it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Nickname Liberty. I guess Liberty Bell. Yeah, that's not, oh, I get that's it. pretty weak. Uh, let's see. George Bell, 12 years in the big leagues. Uh, nine with Toronto. 1990, good news for me, all-star year. Hit 265, 303 on base. That's not good. 422 slugging. 21 home runs, 86 RBI, a 96 OPS plus. And that is good for a 1.1 war. He was an all-star, so that'll be 1.6. He has got a mustache here, so that'll be 1.7. He's wearing two and one, so that'll be back down to a 1.6. That's some quick math, buddy. I went to the, uh, the I call it the Cornell of the Pac-12. That upsets my wife because she went to Cornell, which I call the Washington State of the Ivy League. Ouch. She doesn't like that either. All right, I'm at 5.6. Next, we've got a guy for the Reds, who I know was on that 90 Reds team as well, Mariano Duncan. Oh, Mariano Duncan. I think of him as a Dodger. Good call. Yeah, that's uh, definitely remember him in Dodger Blue. Dunk or Dunky. If he was a, a catcher, and, he, and if he didn't throw out runners, you could say America runs on Duncan. Oh, jeez. Let's see. Uh, Mariano Duncan, 12 years in the big leagues. Four with the Dodgers, four with the Reds, four with the Phillies, and then a couple of other teams. 1990 with the Reds, led the league in triples with 11, had 10 home runs, 55 home runs, 306 average, 345 on base, and a 476 slugging. Good for a 120 OPS plus. That's pretty good. And a 2.4 war. He has got a mustache, so that'll be a 2.5. Positive number. Yep, you got that going for you. All right. Oh, my God. Okay, so we have, in these two packs of cards, only three players from Major League Baseball ever appeared in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. We have pulled all three of them between these two packs. That's amazing. That is incredible. Mark Langston, here you go. Wow. Hard-throwing lefty. I think of him as a Mariner, but uh, I believe he's still announcing for the Angels. Yes, yes, he is. Yep, came up with the Mariners. Uh, let's see, 16 years in the big league, eight with the Angels, six with the Mariners, and then a couple of single-season stints. 1990 with uh, then California Angels. He went 10-17 and 17 with a 4.40 ERA, 223 innings, 195 strikeouts, 87 ERA plus, and that is good for a 1.5 war. And nothing else on that card is going to help me out. Let's see, I can tell you that he has, uh, of the three players to appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, he has by far the smallest role. But he is the only one that actually throws a baseball at any point. I see. That is crazy that we pulled all three of them in two Really points. weird. All right, I'm at 9.6. You finished at 21.2. I am down to my final card, and I can tell you there is in no way <laughs> I am going to win. I probably won't even have your score. Here he is, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Sean Hilgis. I remember Sean Hilgis. I don't know why, but I do. Let's see, seven years, right in our wheelhouse, late 80s, early 90s. Three with the White Sox, two with the A's at the end of his career. <clears throat> 1990 with the White Sox, he was hurt. Only appeared in seven games. Had a .79 ERA, though. That's an ERA plus of 500. Wow. So I, I rescinded. I think I'm coming back here with his seven games. 
Uh, let's see, all of that equates to a war of 0.5. He's got real stirrups. Very close. Yes, <laughs> very, very close indeed. That'll take me to 10.2, which is, in fact, nowhere near your uh, your score of 21.2. That will take you up to eight wins. You trail me by one now. And nice. I'm I'm these were these were two fun packs, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> we had some weird players. Hey, there were some good ones. We had a lot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch references, and uh, that was an interesting game. Yeah. But uh, yes. with that, that's gonna wrap up this uh, rendition of Wax Packs Heroes. It's also gonna wrap up this episode. Uh, if you want to find us more, you can find us anywhere. Just search for Two Strike Noise. We're on all the social medias. You can Google us, you can Bing us, you can uh, ask Jeeves if you want uh, as well. <laughs> Is that still around? I don't know. I don't know, but that's a good one. <laughs> you just give it a shot. Uh, we also got an email address Mark can tell you about. You can write to us at two strike noise, spell it out T W O strike noise at gmail.com. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I think we'll probably be back again. We're getting close to 200 episodes. We are. It's, we got to do something cool for 200. Yeah. I think in podcasting terms, that's when you can, you're eligible for syndication. (laughs) Yes. That's when you start making the money. That's right. That's what I hear. All right. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Good night. Have a great day.